Good morning, folks. My name's Ricky. It is a great privilege to be able to encourage you this morning. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Shrek. And then there's that part where the someone's hunts. Do you like Shrek? <laughs> there's that part where I forget the character's name. She's singing, and this bird comes and sings with her. And there's a singing challenge, and the bird lost. The bird exploded. I felt like I was going to explode during the singing this morning. Um, God is so amazing. I'm so excited about what he's doing in our lives, us as a church. How can you not want to be a part of what God is doing in the earth today? It's the greatest thing you can ever give your life to. And uh, we are busy with a series called Great Faith. It was also the the theme of our pray and fast this week. Um, thank you to those of you who, who joined in with us. I, I trust that you were able to really experience God in, in a new and a fresh way. Um, we had incredible moments in prayer this week and, and a few of us had the privilege of having some extra ministry time in the living room. But God really spoke to us and we, we feel encouraged. Um, in my preparation for the sermon this morning, I was so encouraged by the Word of God. And folks, if, if I can encourage us, let's never, ever neglect this. Do you know that there are people around the world who, who desperately want the Bible, but they can't get their hands on it? I was listening to um, a podcast the other day, and this one pastor had spent some time, I think it was in China or India, and he came back and he spoke to his church in America and he said, guys, do you know that the youth in this church have memorized the New Testament? Not the books of the Bible. They've memorized the New Testament. And this is what um, the youth in this church in, in India or China were doing. They, they have memorized the word. And we have it at the, uh, we can reach over from our bedside and grab our Bible most of us have our Bibles next to our bed. And this week, as I was reading through the Word, it was reading through my life. As I was paging through this book, it was paging through my life. As I was studying the words in, in this incredible manuscript, it was studying my Word, uh, studying my life. And th th this Word is alive and active. It changes our lives. And the only thing that stops it from changing our lives is, is if we don't respond to it. When you read it, it brings a conviction into your heart and that is the Holy Spirit that is nudging us in a certain direction. He wants us to change and to become more like Jesus. So this morning we're gonna be continuing to talk by faith and I'm, I'm, it's gonna be a little bit more, uh, we're gonna be studying the scripture. I just thought with everybody going back to school this week and the kids going this week, let's just get into the classroom environment a bit, and uh, we're going to really study the word this morning. The title of our message is Living by Faith, and I'm going to read um, a portion from Wikipedia, um, and this is what Wikipedia says about faith. To a Christian, faith is not static, but causes one to learn more of God. Christian faith has its origin in God. In Christianity, faith causes change as it seeks a greater understanding of God. Faith is not only simple obedience to a set of rules or statements. Before Christians have faith, they must understand in whom and in what they have faith. 
Without understanding, there cannot be true faith. And that understanding is built on the foundation of the community of believers, the scriptures, and the personal experience of the believer. Now, faith is not a program that we can just take and apply to our lives. It's not a 10-step formula. Faith is, involves a relationship. You cannot have faith unless you have a relationship with Jesus. And the topic of faith is foundational to our walk as Christians and in our relationship with God. In Romans 1 verse 17, it says that the righteous shall live by faith. And I think very often we neglect to pursue God and, and trust him for that. We often get caught up in the circumstances of life and we get, we get mixed up in that. My son started surfing these holidays and the surf was really good. Was it yesterday, Josh? But he couldn't even get out to the back line. And he had his GoPro with him. He was filming his, uh, his attempt to get to, to the back line. And he got completely zommeled by this one wave that came. I mean, he was so excited about getting dumped by this wave that he gathered the family around and we watched the event on his GoPro. In the water, bored everywhere, bubbles, you know. That's sometimes what happens to us when we neglect our faith in God. Circumstances in life come and just churn us up, spits us out, and leaves us in that state. I'm going to read Hebrews 11 verse 1 as my text this morning, if you can turn in your Bibles. And as you turn in there, I'm going to just give you a bit of background in the book of Hebrews, for the book of Hebrews. Now, the purpose of the book of Hebrews was to present the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. It was written to the Jewish Christians, and it was at a time, these Jewish Christians were maybe the first or second generation, so it was still very early days in, in the early church. And they were tempted to fall back into their old patterns of Judaism for various reasons. Maybe it was doubt because they thought that um, the way things were going to pan out with regards to Jesus coming as a political leader were, were, were against what they thought. There was persecution, both from other Jews and from the Romans. They had the security of their customs. They were so used to doing things a certain way. And there were also maybe some false teachings about Jesus and what he had come to give us. So this message that was being given, this message of Jesus, was a difficult message for the Jewish people to accept. I did some more reading in my preparation for today, and uh, if you look at Judaism, I'm not uh, an expert in it, but this is what I read. Faith itself is not a religious concept in Judaism. Faith in God is mentioned in Genesis, Exodus, and Zion, but it is not stressed as a central um, concept uh, like it is here in Christianity. So just put yourself in, in the position of the, the Jewish people. This, this topic of faith was something very new to them and they were needing to discover it. Although they had sought the Messiah for centuries, they were entrenched in a certain pattern of thinking 
And if they had made a decision to follow Jesus, they perhaps were feeling that they were abandoning, abandoning their heritage. Those who did accept Jesus as the Messiah often found themselves slipping back into familiar routines, trying to live a hybrid faith. And if you can, I use that word hybrid, but it's maybe it was a, a mixed combination of Judaism and Christianity. And isn't that an interesting thought? Do, don't you find that sometimes when you are not possibly receiving an answer to your prayer or that you have trusted God for something, we, we slip back sometime, uh, sometimes into ritual. It's like, I need to pray a little bit harder. I need to fast. I haven't read my Bible every day for this week. That's why God is not answering my prayer. These, the Jewish Christians were slipping back into their rituals. And sometimes we do that. I remember when I was at university, um, I was driving in my car and I was praying and I felt the Lord convicted me of something, uh, which I felt required some time in prayer and reading the word. So I thought, okay, tonight when I get home, I'll put my worship music on, I'll search the concordance for this and I'll read and, and pray. And then I felt the Lord say to me, no, you don't have to do that. Let's do it right now. And let's not get pulled back into like a, a system mentality when it comes to having faith in God. So as, as I was driving, I was, Lord, I know that this is not the most holy environment, but Jesus, you are here with me right now. Your Holy Spirit is here. You've highlighted this, this part of my life and I'm bringing it to you. Please, can you help me? And that's the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. The book of Hebrews then goes on into chapter 11 and it speaks about the heroes of the faith, the men and women who had to trust in God in certain areas of their life. And I'm hoping that I can encourage you today in just your, your life of faith and, and living it in a, in a dynamic way. Hebrews 11 verse one, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Some of you know the, the other translation. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I started preparing for today and I didn't get past the word faith. So I'm gonna spend the next 25 minutes in explaining to you what this word faith means. The Greek word for that word faith is pistis. It means faith or faithfulness. Other words which can help explain it are belief, to trust, to have confidence, to assure. I wanna share three points with you today which can help explain this better. The first point is divine persuasion. The word pistis, the Greek word for faith, originates from another word which is called pitho. Please excuse me, Greek scholars, if I'm not pronouncing this correctly. Pitho, okay? Guess what the word pitho means? It means to persuade. It is a verb. To be persuaded of what is trustworthy, to have confidence how many of you have been in an environment where you've been persuaded by someone? Or how many of you have to persuade others, whether it's in your work, whatever? So, I'm going back to 1988. 
I was a young 14-year-old in grade eight, and my friend, who I knew very well, he came to me, and I, I knew him well, so everything that we chatted about, I, I believed him, you know. He persuaded me in something which had a, a tough effect on my life. He came to me at break one day and he said, Rick, my sister likes you. <laughs> so just to explain to you, I was at an all-boys school um, and the girls were at an all-girls school. And he came to me and said, Rick, she, she digs you. She, now listen, I was a late developer at school while my friends were cultivating facial hair. I was in the cricket nets with a bowling machine. I had no other thought, you know, had no thought of the, the opposite sex. So it was a strange thought for me. He says, no, really, you, you need to know she, she really likes you. Then he went to her and persuaded her. And he told her, um, Ricky likes you. <laughs> so I was so overcome with, I think, fear and intimidation that I received a letter from her. Youth, just to let you know, that's how we communicated. <laughs> um, a letter is not just that, that those things that make up a word. It was a piece of paper that you wrote and you folded it up into an envelope and it got delivered. And a fast delivery was 24 hours. Okay. So the boys used to drop the letters off at the girls' school, collect the letters, drop them off at the boys' school. And I started getting letters. And I was like, okay, I better write back. So I started right back and we engaged in conversation. I can't remember exactly how many times. And then my friend came to me and said, Rick, it's time for you guys to meet. We had actually not even met yet. So he said, Sunday after church, you guys are going to get together. I was so stressed. So anyway, I, uh, we were at church and you know, all the boarders came to church and we were there and uh, we were having tea and coffee in the, uh, in the foyer afterwards. And I was there and my friend started walking towards me and his sister started coming. And it was just a reflex action. I turned around and I bolted. I honestly, I had no control of my legs. I just, I was gone. Anyway, that ended our relationship. He walked past me and he just went, Rick, not cool. <laughs> anyway, I experienced the peace of God in that moment. <laughs> but he persuaded me. You know, he was my friend. It wasn't so much persuasion, it was something else. He, Anyway, but this, this Greek word pitho is the core meaning of faith, which is divine persuasion. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is a divine persuasion. In order for someone to persuade you, you have to be in relationship with them. You have to know the person. You have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to hear a voice. And God communicates with us, and that's how he builds our faith. The second point is God's best offer. I love this. So we know that God is the one who persuades us. There's a divine persuasion in our faith. But what is he going to persuade us in? My friend did not persuade me in a good thing. But God, um, he persuades us in his promises, Faith enables the believer to know God's preferred will. And those 
are connected in Scripture, and we'll read through a few now. If, if, again, if I go to the Greek word for that word preferred will, it is pronounced thelema. The meaning of it is that it is God's best offer. Isn't that a beautiful description? Faith is a divine persuasion in what? In the preferred will of God. God has got a preferred will for our lives. Every situation, God is releasing divine, uh, his preferred will. He is releasing his best offer to you. Every single time that you, you seek God, he is releasing his best offer to you. And sometimes we don't think it's his best offer, but he knows what we need. He leads us through those moments. Romans 12, verse two and three. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the, what the will of God is, what the thelema is, what the best offer of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. The world has something, the world can persuade you in your situation in a certain way. But we need to seek the will of God, God's best offer. If you, were, uh, if you worked through the prayer and fasting manual this week, there was a portion on the life of Abraham and Sarah. It was just a beautiful explanation. Abraham's faith was an informed faith. It was not a faith divorced from reality. He weighed the facts carefully. Okay, he contemplated his body and Sarah's body. Uh, God had promised that they would have a child. He recognized how old he was. He was aware of the odds against him. But through his careful analysis, he never became weak in his faith. The promise of God carried more weight than his circumstances. And the Bible says that under utterly hopeless circumstances, he hopefully believed Often, I mentioned this uh, wave of life that comes to Zormalas. We don't even, sometimes we don't even, we don't even connect with God on the matter. And we just get consumed with the hopelessness of our situation. How many of you have faced a hopeless situation? I think we all have. What is our number one response? Let's go and get some divine persuasion. I think there are times when we've got to lock our door Get on our knees and say, God, I need you to persuade me now. I need you to persuade me because the world is shouting at me and telling me all of this stuff. Lord, what is your preferred will? What is the best offer that you can give to me? Faith does not deny reality. And we're not, we're not in denial. We're not just passing a blind eye. It's, okay, this is my situation. There is no money in the bank, okay, all right? Lord, what do you say? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That promise is greater than the reality that I'm facing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, that which is not seen. I can't see the provision, Lord, but you've given me the promise. That is the persuasion. And then God comes and he works it into your heart, Listen to what Martin Luther said about faith. It is a quality of faith 
that it wrings the neck of reason and strangles the beast. But how? It holds to God's word and lets it be right and true no matter how foolish or how impossible it sounds. So did Abraham take his reason captive and slay it in as much as he believed God's word. Um, that that uh, portion of scripture ends in verse three and it says, God has allotted to each a measure of faith. We can see his preferred will and the allotted measure of faith that God has given to us. Hebrews 10 verse 36 and 38. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will, Thalima, of God, you may receive what was promised. God sometimes holds back so that he can increase our capacity. He, he, he allows us to, to endure the situation. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. God loves it when we pursue him and when, when we have faith. The Lord persuades the believer to be confident in his preferred will. But he does also give us a decision. We can accept or reject that preferred will from God. And then my third point is God's gift. Faith is always received from God. It is a gift. It is never generated by us. We cannot produce faith ourselves. We cannot drum it up within us. The portion that I've just read, Romans 12 verse three, God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's that word pistis. It's the same word faith that we have spoken about this morning. Gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. It's a gift from God. If I'm presented with my circumstance and my faith is low and the world is persuading me, I have to go and get into the place where I'm seeking God and allow him to speak to me. And Lord, persuade me. This is a gift and I can feel that faith rising up. I read his word, I, I get together with the community of believers, I pray with my brothers and sisters, I can feel my faith growing, I, I can almost see God sitting there, like Ricky has a little bit more of measure of faith, yes, that this word's going to bring life to you, um, you know, we encourage each other as believers, your faith grows, and when you come back to that situation, you, you look at it and you're like, I, I can do this, I can slay this beast, but you can't slay the beast unless you've been in this place. And it's nothing that you can work up. It's not about memorizing scripture or praying for an hour or whatever. It, it's, it's that connection with God. You know when you've connected with God. God can do something in your heart in an instant that can, you know, you try and do in, in, in a much longer period. We have to have faith that God would even work in our hearts. Jesus did make a statement. He said, your faith has made you well. But I just wanna explain that to you, that that faith 
is still a gift from Jesus. Okay, I'm going very English here, very, okay? The Greek definite article, English teachers? Gareth? Used in the expression of your faith that Jesus said, refers to the principle of faith that is operating within you and not your faith in the sense that faith is generated by the recipient. It is the faith that is operating within you, your faith. But the great thing is, what happens with a gift? When somebody gives you a gift, it becomes yours. The recipient takes ownership of that gift, and God gives that to us. And folks, I encourage you, take, take ownership of the gift of faith that God has given to us. So in summary, let's put this all together. Faith is a persuasion from God. The Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer so that they can know what he prefers, the persuasion of his will. The believer lays hold of this best offer and it is always a work that God does. In Romans 10 verse 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith does not come by coming to church on a Sunday. Faith, it's part of it. Faith does not come by just coming to church on a Sunday or just going to a a small group. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And I encourage you, if you are struggling and you're feeling hopeless, put some scriptures up on your wall and stand in front of the wall and read them out aloud so that your ears can hear and that your soul can receive what God is saying to you. One last scripture which explains it so well. Habakkuk 2 verse one. I will stand on my God post and station myself on the rampart and I will keep watch to see what he will speak in me. Isn't that amazing? I'm standing on my in, in my, my place to receive from God. Lord, what is it that you need to say to me? Please build my faith. I'm gonna end my sermon with an illustration. And uh, if Brian can come in and join me. I'm gonna read it to you first and then I've got a video clip. On, the, on April 5th, 1988, a skydiver photographer called Ivan Maguire jumped from a plane along with other skydivers and he filmed the group as they fell. And he opened, uh, and as they opened their parachutes, Ivan had uh, collected the shots that he needed and he reached down to pull his ripcord. But he realized that he didn't have his parachute on. This is a true story. Okay. Tragically, he had acted with haste and nothing could save him. I'm gonna show you the clip because they've got uh, of his jump. I promise you, you don't see the last moment. Uh, There's no violence. But I just want to show it to you so that you can uh, see what happened. It was to be his third jump of the day. The veteran jumper had been shooting tape with a specially rigged camera when he jumped this last time, just seconds ahead of an instructor and student whose fall he was recording. Then, to his horror, the cameraman realized that he was without a parachute. And well out of reach of the other jumpers, 
These images are the very last he ever recorded. The reason I show that to you is because as a sky jumper, you don't jump without a parachute. And I want to encourage you as a Christian, don't go into this life without faith. It's like jumping into life without, jumping from an airplane without a parachute. Do you know what the sad thing is? I read a little bit more about that, uh, that gentleman. He had done over 800 jumps. He was a seasoned jumper. He just forgot to put his parachute on and it ended his, his life. We have to put our parachutes of faith on daily. We, there's no exemption for anyone. We have to come to, to God daily and trust him with our lives. Won't you all stand with me and we're gonna pray together. I'm going to read that portion of scripture. I'm going to read verse six from chapter 11. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And if you wouldn't mind buying your heads, closing your eyes, and we're going to just take a moment between our individual selves and God. And I want to encourage you this morning Another study that we did this week was from the life of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And it says that she considered him who was faithful. Sarah considered God. She had a relationship with him and she knew his nature. And you might be here today and you feel like you're in a hopeless situation. You may feel like God has abandoned you you, you, you may feel that there is all the odds are against you. I'm trusting that today God would do something in your heart. I'm not saying that he's gonna answer your prayer straight away by the time that you walk out this venue. But my prayer for you today is that you leave here with a greater measure of faith than what you had when you walked in. And if you are trusting for God, if you are trusting God for something specific, it might be in your relationship with him. You may desperately need an answer to prayer. You may need direction in your life. Won't you just raise your hand as just a, a way of saying, Lord, I, I would love to hear from you today. Keep your hands raised and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we read earlier about just how Jesus came and he instituted the new covenant. Lord, the Old Testament and the Old Covenant was one of rituals and, and customs, not to say that it was bad, but you implemented it, but it pointed forward to what Jesus would do. And Jesus, you came to fulfill all of that. Jesus, you allowed that no longer did we need one person to go into the tent of meeting as a priest and represent us. Jesus, you gave us the ability to have a relationship directly with God. Father, thank you that we can come to you as your children and that we do not have to go through any man. Lord Jesus, today, 
I pray that you would see every hand that is raised, every heart that is open. And as we have read this morning, that faith is the substance of things hopeful. Lord, come and persuade us this morning where we have lost hope. Lord, please forgive us. Lord, where we have taken our eyes off you and worried so much about our situation, Lord, we are sorry. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and you persuade us with your preferred will, your best offer. Thank you, Lord, that this is a gift that you gift us. We receive it today. And I just sense God saying he is giving his gifts out generously. You may, you need to receive it. It does not matter what you have done. You may feel like you have discredited yourself because of past uh, circumstances. God forgives and he gives. Thank you, Father, that as we go from here today, we may stay close to you, Lord, that as we've said that faith comes by hearing the word, I pray that you would draw us until you, unto yourself, Lord, so that that measure of faith continues to grow in our lives. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.